Happy New Year and welcome back to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. With the new year comes new resolutions, thoughts, goals, and perspectives. So here's a new one for you. Your words can actually influence lives for decades to come. Neil shares the same perspective and opens up the semester showing us how we can wield our words either to help people or hurt them in the year ahead. Welcome to Challenge. It's good to be with you. Uh, I know we're in several different time zones tonight, and uh, so this is going to be a fun time, but it's good to have people back. It's good to see your faces. I'll tell you what, thanks for all of you that have the cameras on where we can see your faces because it's good to be able to do that. Um, Let me just tell you a story as we get started tonight. We're going to be, well, I'll tell you what we're talking about in a minute. Let me tell you a story. I heard this a while back, and I think it's something that you guys be interested in. Any of you guys ever heard of a guy named Ignaz Semmelweis? That's not usually a normal name. You would remember that name, okay? Ignaz Semmelweis, he was a Hungarian doctor who worked at the Vienna General Hospital in the mid-1840s. And the Vienna Hospital at the time was one of the world's most renowned teaching hospitals. And it, it was a large, large hospital. In fact, it had this huge maternity wing. It was so big, in fact, that they had to divide it into two areas. And one area, there were all the doctors and all of their um, uh, interns that worked with them and their students. And then in the other category, there were the midwives and all of their students that they had. And there became this big distinction, that this stark contrast that began to go on between the wards. On the one hand, between 1840 and 1846, the mortality rate of the ward that had the midwives was 3.5% of every woman that delivered died. And um, the mortality rate within the doctor's ward, physicians in there, was nearly three times that. It was just less than 10%. And so Dr. Simmelweiss began to look at that. He started to observe and notice the differences. And he started trying to figure out, okay, what is it that's causing the problem here? What, why do we have this stark contrast and difference here? And so the first thing he noticed was that, you know, in the midwives, they had the women deliver the babies on their sides and the doctors had them deliver the babies on their backs. And he thought, hey, I don't know, maybe that's it. So he goes in and he changes that and the doctors start trying, you know, but months go by and same mortality rates, no, no difference. And so he kind of, okay, stop that, you know, do what you want, you know. So then he goes back and he observes for several months and he begins to figure out that every time one of the women dies in the doctor's ward, a priest would go through and ring this bell and ring this bell that someone had died. And he thought maybe that's having this adverse mental effect and somebody's having that. He didn't know what was going on. You know, so he said, let's stop the bells. So they stopped the bells. They stopped ringing the bells. Still, people died. And still the rates were like three to one. Then just by chance, one of his fellow physicians was doing an autopsy on one of the people that had died. And in the process of doing the autopsy, he nicked his finger and shortly thereafter died. And Dr. Simmelweiss began to think about that. And he noticed as he watched that many of these doctors 
after they would work on one patient, they would go over and do an autopsy, and then they would leave from doing that autopsy, and they would walk right in and deliver a baby. And this was, I mean, this was 20 years prior to Pasteur coming up with the germ theory. They didn't know anything. So Semmelweis comes up with one idea. He says, hey, what if we do this? If you're doing an autopsy, before you deliver the baby, wash your hands. Wash your hands. And, you know, you look at it, you think, it didn't seem very significant. In fact, as it turned out, it had tremendous significance in the people dying and in the people surviving. One little thing, washing your hands, did not seem significant at all, but it turned out it really was. Just like they didn't realize at that time that germs made a difference, the story serves as a real mental picture for us for us to begin to understand that many of us don't tend to realize the impact of our words and don't realize the impact that our words make on other people as well. Most people are largely unaware of the impact of their words, but your words have great impact. You know, the way that you view yourself, the way that you relate to others are often shaped by words that have been spoken to you. And so think for a minute, about words that have stuck out to you over the years, maybe even some of the ones you shared about in small groups earlier. Think of the words that were really helpful. Think of the words that are harmful. How many of those were spoken by people who were like really famous? I would be willing to bet none. But most of us have the idea that only people that are really famous or only people that are, are really powerful. Now, their words matter. But, you know, our words, no one cares about our words. Our words really don't matter. Well, the wisest man that ever lived, a guy named Solomon, wrote this. He said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now, it's interesting to me that he started it out death and life, not life and death, death and life. And I think part of the reason for that is because more often than not, our words cause harm. Our words cause death rather than giving life to others. And what it is that, you know, interesting, we could understand the significance. We can understand the significance of other people's words. We've experienced that firsthand. Someone has said something to you and it stayed and stayed and stuck around for a long time. And yet we don't realize the significance of our words on others. But your words have great they make a real difference. In fact, Solomon, over 150 times in Proverbs, talks about the difference your words make. In Proverbs 18, 12, he says this, there's one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. It's interesting right there. If you look at the word picture, he says, he says our words oftentimes are like the thrust of a sword. He says they're like, you know, someone coming in and, and jabbing someone with a sword. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, if, if all of a sudden someone, um, you know, you, you're there and you're talking to someone, and all of a sudden you realize you've said something to someone that was really hurtful, maybe you step back, maybe you apologize for that, maybe you, you know, and hopefully you apologize for that. The picture that Solomon paints is this. What, what he's saying is you can't unstab. You can apologize, and hopefully you do, 
but that doesn't stop the bleeding. You can't unwound someone you've wounded. So one of the things we need to do is we need to stop and begin to think about the different things we say. And so tonight, what I want us to do is I want us to briefly look at a passage in James. James, brother of Jesus, you know, wrote this in James 3. I want us to look and see what he had to say in a passage that I think we'll find is really helpful. Help to understand how powerful our words are and the impact that they have. So James says, we are all, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what he has, in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make, to make them, that's supposed to be obey, I'm not sure why it says that, to make them obey, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. What James is saying there, he says, your words are like rudders that can help direct the course of people's lives. Small thing, but it can really help direct the course of people's lives. Often we don't see that. And often we don't see, we say, you know, I don't, I don't see the damage of just a few words. But here's what James goes on to say. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire a small spark. James says those few words can be like a spark that sets a whole forest on fire. Once you get it going, then it's out of control. You know, you had the power to control it before, but now you don't. Now it's, now it's out of control. What he's saying is your words have great impact. So how do you begin take responsibility for your words? How do you begin to look at the words you use? Well, scripture has several words of advice for us on that. So that's what I want us to look at in the remainder of our time. The very first thing you can do is to begin to think before you speak. Begin to think before you speak. In Proverbs 15, 28, Solomon says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So, Stop. Think about what you're going to say. I think one of the things you do, if you begin to think more, you will probably cut out some things. One, like gossip. You know, in Proverbs 16, 28, he says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. So one of the things you want to do before you say something, ask yourself some questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it helpful? Begin to think through that and begin to think, you know, maybe if it's not, you know, if it's not going to help this situation, then maybe what I need to do is not say it, but begin to think. As you think, another thing you might want to eliminate is complaining. Philippians 2.14, Paul says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. All things. Pretty inclusive. You know, when you sit around and complain all the time, you wear other people out. And one of the things he's saying is, you know what? If you would rather stand out rather than wear people out, then do what other people don't do. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling all the time. 
you know, another thing you may want to watch is just the tone. And one of the things you want to think about is the tone of your words. You know, um, in uh, Proverbs 15.1, he says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, if you reply with the right tone, if you reply in a gentle way, you'll get the whole answer out. But did you see right what he says right there? But a harsh word stirs up. You only get one word out with the wrong tone. And I'll tell you what, you can have people fired up. Now, does that make a difference? Well, sure it does. I mean, like if Melinda's at home and she says something to me like, you know, um, what did you think? Did you like dinner? And I say, yeah, great. Well, okay. But if she says, did you like dinner? And I go, yeah, great. Now, exactly the same words, but just the tone makes a difference. So one of the things you can begin to do is you can begin to think before you speak. The second thing that you could begin to do, use your words to encourage. Use your words to encourage. In Hebrews 3.13, the author of Hebrews says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you are hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know, how many of you folks, as you thought about in small groups, when you were sharing earlier tonight in small groups about the words that were spoken to you, how many of you thought about words that encouraged? I would imagine it was probably a fair number of you. And one of the reasons is because, boy, our hearts long for encouragement. You know, there was a guy named Larry Crabb. Some of you may know, or you may have read books by Larry Crabb, or you may have heard Larry Crabb. He's a counselor and, and a guy who uh, honestly uh, speaks all over the place now. But there was a very different instance when he was younger. He, um, he had a bit of a problem. He was a stutter. And he had exactly, part of the problem he had, he couldn't say his L's and he couldn't say his P's. And he went to Plymouth High School, and his name was Larry. And so they asked him to speak one day, and Larry. And then he would say, and I'm glad to be Plymouth. And he would try to get that out, and he walked out of there, and he was so embarrassed in front of all of his friends and stuff. He thought, man, I'm not going to do that again. And, um, you know, he, he was thinking, man, that's, that's bad. And then he was at his church just a little while later, and they were encouraging the young guys to pray. And all of a sudden, he stood up to pray, and he thought, what in the world am I praying for? And he begins to pray, and he's stuttering, and he is, like, you know, praying, and he's getting so confused as he's praying, and he's thanking God for hanging on the cross and thanking, you know, Jesus for raising the Holy Spirit from the grave. And I mean, he's just so confused in what he's saying, and he... All he can think of is that I need to get this over so I can get out of here. And he said, I almost made it to the door, except I got intercepted by this one older man. And he said, you know, Larry, whatever it is that you do in life, I want you to know I am on your team. I am behind you. I think you're going to do a great job. And he said he could not believe that guy's words. He could, after what he perceived as one of his biggest failures. He said he could not believe that guy's words. 
And he began to rehearse those words in his mind again and again. He said when he would stand up, he would think, well, I can't do it. He said, man, that guy, that guy believes in me. He's on my side. And he said God really used that in his life to shape his life and to begin to give him a totally different perspective. You can do that same thing with other people as you begin to use your words to encourage. But another thing you can do to begin to, to stop things is, you know, begin to, um, begin to look at um, just straight up talking less. Now, that's a novel idea. But in Proverbs 10, 19, he says, where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. In other words, you know, um, if you just keep talking, eventually you're going to say something you shouldn't. So just talk less. Solomon also says in Proverbs 17, 28, even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered proof. Have you ever noticed that if you're sitting there in a group and someone is quiet, your automatic assumption is that they must be a pretty smart person? Abraham Lincoln picked up on this same problem. He just said it in a different way. He said, it's better to be quiet and be thought a fool rather than opening your mouth and removing all doubt. So, you know, one of the things you want to do is, you know, if you don't want to be foolish, just be quiet, just talk. And then lastly, one of the things you can begin to do, begin to thank those who have spoken words to you that really help to direct your life. Now, Jesus in Luke 17 comes up. and He is speaking to some lepers there. And if you remember the story as they come to him and they say, Lord, heal us. And Jesus says, okay, go and do this. And as they begin to walk away and obey what Jesus said, all 10 of lepers are healed. And then one of them comes back, one of them returns to him, and do you see Jesus's words to that guy? He said, were there not 10? Now, anytime God asks a question, he's not asking it for his benefit, he's asking it for ours. And one of the things he was trying to get them to understand is, you know what, it's not enough to just feel thankful. You need to express it. And so one of the things you need to do, many of you have experienced the impact of words in your life in a way that's really helped you, in a way that's really shaped you, in a way that's really directed your life. You need to utilize your words to thank those people that did. See, your words have great impact. So if you begin to realize that, my bet would be this, that you would begin to think before you spoke, you would begin to use words to encourage. You would talk less, and you would thank others for the way that they've used their words in your life. So as we wrap up and as we begin to uh, turn things back over to Audrey and um, get some time to worship, one of the things I would encourage you to do, look around at the group right there. Locate someone that you need to encourage or locate someone that you need to thank. And after we finish, after we wrap up, get after it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What I would encourage us all, choose life. Choose life. So let, let me pray, and then we'll uh, turn things back to Audrey. Father, 
Father, thank you for um, your word that is so clear, that speaks very poignantly to each one of our lives. And Father, I pray that we would begin to use our words in such a way we would realize the significance of it. Father, we wouldn't be so ignorant as, as to assume that they make no difference. But Father, I pray that we would use our words in such a way as to build up rather than tear down. And we would use our ways in such, our words in such a way so as to provide life and hope and encouragement to people rather than death. And we pray those things, Father. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can also leave us a review. This episode was recorded on a Thursday night gathering over Zoom, but whether online or in person, we would love for you to join us. Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.
chains unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, is above Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Dear God, um, Lord, we just thank you so much for this time that we've had together tonight. Um, God, I pray that we can take what we heard from Neil and just go forward and apply it to our lives and that, God, you would just um, refine our hearts so that we would really desire to have the words that we speak be um only helpful and uplifting and encouraging god um, and i pray that they would just be transformed by you that we would be transformed by you um jesus it's in your name that we pray amen all right well thanks audrey and jared you know folks if you want to get a quick turnaround on an application you might want to thank neil for that message because if you ask me that helped direct my life some so shoot him some love in the chat well to the gentlemen out there Join us on Saturday, February 5th at Seabreeze Church in Huntington Beach for our Men's Advance. We'll hear from John Hawkins on leadership. John founded and led Leadership Edge for years and wrote Leadership as a Lifestyle. The cost is $20 and you can sign up through the Google form in the group me and Venmo at CCHURUK for the payment, which is Courtney, but I don't know how to pronounce that correctly, so I'm just going to spell it. Um, lots of love. Let's do it. <laughs> okay and ladies you have not been left out we have not been left out um friday february 11th and saturday february 12th so we have two days we will have the women's event and the theme is know and be known and we will be looking at what it looks like to have intentional friendships so that is exciting the cost is 20 dollars, and you can pay courtney um the venmo will be listed in the chat and also, we will be using a Google sign up, a Google form for signing up. And I don't know if you guys have taken a look at the date, but exactly two months from now, we will be heading to Hume Lake. So be sure to save the dates, March 13th through March 18th for Break at the Lake. This is the best week all year, and you won't want to miss it. The cost is $450. So talk to your parents and get your budget in order, okay? Because you don't want to miss this. So excited. Um, next week, we will be on Zoom again. But the following week, we're excited to be back in person, hopefully, if USC doesn't change anything. Um, but we will be using the same link next week. So see you guys then. All right. So lastly, let's invite Janae up for afters. And you know, funny fact, I was thinking, I was like, what a beautiful name. That's a great song. And I thought, Audrey, what a beautiful name that is. So thanks, Audrey and Jared, again, for leading us in worship. Janae, all yours. 
Thanks, Chris. Um, so challenge is over, but we are going to stick around and hang out in breakout rooms for a little while. So it'd be awesome if you wanted to stick around. Um, Chris is going to put some fun discussion questions in the chat and then uh, the breakout rooms should be opening soon. Everyone. Hello! Hey! What's crackalacking? Yo, Alex, it seems like we're in the same room. <laughs> oh my goodness, James. Dude. What's up? Sorry, were there questions? I have no idea. I think his was just going to be up again. Activity. So, I'm James, by the way. Nice to meet you. Wait, do we have questions? We don't have questions, but hey, we have a challenge Discord, and uh, we might be playing some some games on the challenge Discord later tonight. Oh, that's happening? Maybe. Jackbox. Some draw battle. Oh, drawsaurus. Drawsaurus. Oh, um, where are you zooming in from? What is the highlight of your break? What is something you're looking forward to this semester? 